Hello and welcome to the start of a new week uh, at Pondspress doing the gaming tadpole with Chris again. Chris, how was your weekend with your lady? Thankfully, Corona free or hopefully, I, I don't know. I mean, I've been seeing a lot of uh, cases on the rise, but is everything safe over there? Uh, everything was pretty safe. Um, we basically just uh, spent the entire weekend together. I haven't seen her in about, uh, gosh, in about a month and a half, about two months. And, you know, her mom ended up getting coronavirus and uh, we both didn't want to risk uh, uh, either me catching it or her catching it or her entire family catching it. So our entire relationship just uh, went over the internet and everything. But um, her mom came out of it. Uh, Jeff's fine. Her family all tested negative. So um, she's doing good. And I, and it was a really incredible weekend that I got to spend with her. So we really enjoyed ourselves. It was fun. Well, that is really awesome to hear. I mean, it's always good to be able to spend time with someone despite everything. I'm not uh, that brave to, you know, face COVID and hang out with others. I still hear that you can still catch it from even when you don't have symptoms you can still catch it and carry it around and there are people who get sick uh, even without having symptoms so uh, yeah I, I think I've heard something about that and all but um, I, uh, I haven't had any symptoms and neither has she and I definitely know she doesn't have it because she told me she got tested and it all came back negative. Okay. Well, I mean, you never know. Things will be negative and they'll come back. But I mean, I want to, I want to be uplifting here. But I've read so much about COVID from the CDC and WHO. So I mean, hopefully it stays that way. I don't want to put you in fear. In fact, right now we're here to be talking about video games. That's the most important thing, especially when we're stuck here for who knows how long. Yeah. Which, I mean, you, you know, you had a, a lovely weekend with your girlfriend. I mean, when I mean girlfriend, I really mean Spongebob. Spongebob uh, Squarepants is back, or well, he's kind of back uh, in a way. I mean, his movie is delayed till spring 2021 and he has a uh, CBS All Access exclusive. But at least we got the new game. Which is not really a new game, it's a remaster of an old game as Spongebob Squarepants Battle for Bikini Bottom Rehydrated, which just came out at the end of uh, June on Switch, PS4, Xbox One, and even PC via Steam and other places. Mm -hmm. So, we'll be talking about that. I played through the entire game and even the multiplayer mode that they advertised as a new feature to the game. Uh, and then I'll talk about Pokemon Cafe, which is one of the new Pokemon stuff that got released this month. I mean, you had the Isle of Armor DLC, which... You talked about last Friday with Joy, so I already uh, reviewed that, but now we're going to talk about Pokemon Cafe, the little Pokemon puzzle game that was released for free on Switch and also on iOS, on your iPhone. Interesting thing this game released right after Nintendo said, we are not doing any more mobile games. So, I don't know what that is about, since they just released this, and they also have the Pokemon Unite, which I assume will also release on mobile platforms, or maybe it'll be Switch only, I, I, I don't know, but 
yeah, that is kind of weird, but you know, we'll check it out. Maybe, maybe they mean like, okay, we're not gonna do any of those predatory mobile games. We'll see. Yeah. I did play through uh, quite a bit of Pokemon Cafe, so I do have a well-rounded opinion. And then we got a little interesting news story, which comes from Crash Bandicoot. Are you a Crash Bandicoot fan? Uh, I remember playing the first one when I was uh, a wee little lad, uh, about five or six, when one of my friends brought his PlayStation over, and I thought it was—I thought it was just sort of like I think just Animal Mario or whatever. I think that's what I called uh, Crash Bandicoot. I don't know if I would say that myself, and I guess you playing just the very first Crash Bandicoot game, that totally uh, explains why. I mean, I'll say it, Play. I played through the Insane Trilogy, which is the remaster of the first three Crash Bandicoot games, and I'm gonna say that first Crash game does not hold up at all. Like, I did not, I mean, I thought maybe there were some parts of it that were alright, but overall I didn't really enjoy much of uh, the first Crash. And it wasn't until Crash 2, but mostly Crash 3, that Crash Bandicoot found its own footing and became its own thing. So, I mean, I don't know if I would exactly call it an Animal Mario. I mean, that's a little bit broad because there was a ton of platformers out there and some of them even involving jumping on uh, creatures. But, I mean, I I would totally get it from just playing the first Crash Bandicoot game, which in my opinion is probably the weakest out of the trilogy. And then you had all those post-trilogy Crash games when uh, Naughty Dog gave up the license to... Or not so many different publishers. It went to Activision, but so many different developers. And yeah, I was kind of up and down with some of those games. There, there are games that I really enjoyed post uh or Naughty Dog, and then most of them are kind of, eh. But that's where Activision basically rebooted this whole series with the Insane Trilogy and now a Crash 4, which is retconning all those other Crash games and being the official follow-up to Crash 3. So maybe, did you see the trailer for Crash 4? Uh, It's Uh, about time? Nah, I I wasn't able to. Uh, I haven't really been keeping up with a lot of video game news recently. Okay. Uh, Yeah, I've been kind of out of the loop of it. I do know about the microtransactions, though. Yes, and that is what we're going to be talking about regarding Crash 4. It's not just going to be the microtransactions. There are some good news that uh, has come regarding Crash 4. And then, yeah, then we got to talk about the microtransactions, because that is a thing with Activision especially to remastering or bring back old franchises it's i mean we'll we'll talk about it when we get to it but that's what we have on the show today in fact let's just get right into it spongebob who lives in a pineapple under the sea or you know i just ruined that <laughs> i was about to, that was wow. that was a weird way Awful. to start this out spongebob who lives in a pineapple under the sea? oh wait i just said the guy's name spongebob squarepants i was so looking forward to talking about this remaster of a what is what people say is a 2002 cult classic or 2003 cult classic you who actually grew up you love spongebob to death i mean we talked about spongebob the movie game and i couldn't go two minutes without you uh geeking out over the stuff that happened in the movie (laughs) yeah i i think i i think i probably still have um 
that old DVD hanging out somewhere in my parents' place, probably in my room, in my old childhood room somewhere. Okay, but do you have uh, fond memories of this Battle for Bikini Bottom? We talked about the movie game, and uh, now we're on to Battle for Bikini Bottom. Do you have anything about it, or never Mm, played it? Battle for Bikini Bottom, I definitely remember playing it. I remember it being uh, my old-time favorite game uh the minute i would come home from school and you know the minute uh i was finished with all the homework that i had to do i would go to uh my playstation 2 and i'd pop in a uh, battle for bikini bottom and i would play that probably up until i had to go to bed so i'd probably put in about two or three hours on that game uh every day i also remember i think it was the Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy section of that game, or maybe it was oh, uh, yeah. the rock, or maybe it was the rock bottom section, uh, where I think I got stuck and uh, I wasn't sure how to get out of that section because you know it's like 2002, 2003. There's no YouTube. My parents wouldn't let me use the computer to look up a guide on how to get out of there because would, I would need to print it off and I would just waste uh, ink. So I would basically just go in and play all the sections that I already did, that I already did, and just sort of explore the te- uh, bikini bottom and everything. So, yeah, I, I love the game, but I really sucked at it. Okay. Well, that's... Okay, what, I... oh, <laughs> what the heck was that? I haven't... Sorry. That was weird. Someone was, some squeaky toy just came out of, your, uh, out of your seat. Are you in the closet again? Yeah. Oh, okay. I don't know. I don't know. A friend sent me something, and... Uh, well, I, I don't know if you want to oh, respond to that. Oh, no. <laughs> Wait, are you saying... My bad, sorry. Porn? Oh, okay. No, uh, I guess my friend decided to just send me... A dick pic? A me- like a meme or something that is hentai. Sorry about that. Ugh. Okay, so Weird. I was I was close. <laughs> anyway, well... <laughs> hey, you know what? If you go uh, deep into the internet, you'll probably find uh, some hentai crossovers with Spongebob. I, I do not... The, the, for the popularity of the show, I don't really doubt any sort of uh, pornographic imagery you could look up, especially after. Uh, Time to uh, go deep diving. Let's see. Okay, you want? Uh, <laughs> all right, let me continue Sponge before you just go Bob. on and look it up. Are oh, you're looking it up? Are you? Like, I think it was okay. Huh. All right. Well, okay. I'm only seeing this possum. So. Ugh. <laughs> what the heck, man? Oh God. Why? You you. Are you looking at Spongebob porn? I, I guess this is what I'm doing now. Okay, well, let me just... Uh, let me... T- I keep screaming, but God doesn't hear me. Okay, uh, all right. All right, let, let's... Yeah. So, the Gross. game... <laughs> the game is- I'll be right back. I need to go wash my hands and bleach my eyeballs. I'll be right back. That That's not a joke. Ugh. Uh, what the heck just happened? I... What? <laughs> I, I don't know what just happened. It, it, if you guys are listening to this, I do not really see Chris's screen. I just see a possum. And he's... He gave me so much detailed description of what appeared to be Spongebob porn or that I'm hearing. And... Now he's back. Wait... Yeah. Ouch. You know, why don't I just... <laughs> okay. Spongebob. Sorry we all... about that. <laughs> Spongebob, we all know him 
as the the square pants got having his pants square and uh, well okay the the game is the game is about plankton wanting to take over the world as always he wants to steal the Krabby patty formula but in this time he created all of these robots to do his evil bidding problem is he flipped the wrong switch of obey to don't obey and now the robots uh, even kicked him out of his own uh, place at the chum bucket so now you got plankton going up to spongebob after one night of them uh, play or uh, imagining what what if there was robots around and uh, chris probably saw the <laughs> these still images of what that would be like but anyway uh, use your imagination but <laughs> i don't want to <laughs> okay anyway so spongebob has to go through these different levels that are based off of the first three seasons of the show rock bottom as you mentioned but there's other places jellyfish fields uh sandy shores sandy beach and uh, mrs puff's driving area or wherever that part is downtown bikini bottom i think it's called yeah downtown bikini bottom uh goo lagoon goo lagoon uh, yeah jellyfish fields rock bottom mermaid man and bonacle boys lair yeah. and i'm pretty sure there's more to there, oh yeah there and are. uh and the Krusty uh, Crab Chum Bucket Street. Yeah. That's all I can really think of the well, name for them. There are three main hub world locations. Starting from where SpongeBob lives in this pineapple uh, next to Squidward and Patrick. And in each of these hub world worlds, there's little uh, collectibles to find and, you know, little side things to do. But it's really the area to head over to each of the different levels oh excuse me i i'm also i also had a uh, diet dr pepper but you're kind of going through these levels in a 3d platformer but you know jumping around smacking uh, robots and jellyfish and all that and, and you know collecting shiny objects which sometimes trade for golden spatula is the main collectible you're trying to achieve which you could say the golden spatulas are like the stars and Mario or what, whatever. The main objective that you're collecting in order to reach the next area. And each of these worlds have about like six or eight uh, golden spatulas to find. There are some other things too, like this, or Patrick's socks. And every 10 socks you can get a golden spatula. Really all these side things, it all comes around to just getting enough golden spatulas. The other collectibles you might find are two golden pairs of underwear, and they could basically increase the health of SpongeBob or Patrick or Sandy, since you eventually play as all three of them. Or at least you switch between them uh, during some of the levels. And, you know, it's kind of a 3D platformer in the spirit of sp the show. And what I will say, just starting off right off the bat for something, just some great praise to this game. And that is the HD uplift. It is more than just, hey, we're going to put more color on it. They went out of their way to make everything feel closer to the show. I mean, you could tell yeah. by just the still images how authentic the visuals feel, and it, and it's more so expressed 
when playing the game. There's all this dynamic lighting, the grass just feels great, or it just looks great. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, nice effects going on. And when it comes to the character models, they all have expressive animation that is uh, in respect to the show. Uh, as in, or in uh, c- contrast to the original game, where the animations were very repetitive, and SpongeBob kind of looked a little weird. I mean, if you were to compare and contrast the visuals to now and the old SpongeBob games, you could see that it, it has come a long way. But this, as far as looking and feeling like SpongeBob, by gosh, does this uh, exceed in flying colors? Except for maybe two things. What I find really egregious is that you right after this game, Battle for Bikini Bottom, they had all these other SpongeBob games have come out. There's so many SpongeBob games if you look it up, and all other yeah. sp- or what? Yeah, like the SpongeBob Extended Universe uh, involving the games and everything is quite a lot. Yeah, they have even the whole... a, they they have a SpongeBob Mario Party. They have a SpongeBob Point Click Adventure. They even have some 2D SpongeBob uh, platformers or 2D. They platforms. even have that. Uh, that plug-and-play one. Oh, by, uh, I remember I think that. Jack yeah. Specific. Yeah. Every the one that everyone had. So, how do all of these fit into? Are the are all of these canonical stories in the SpongeBob universe, or is it sort of like uh, what Disney did with uh, the entire Star Wars EU, where it's all practically non-canonical? I have no idea. I'm not that deep into the 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 SpongeBob verse, but I will say. This does feel like its own story. Uh, Well, kinda. I mean, the game often makes references to the previous existing seasons of the show. And I'll say, if you're not a huge fan of Spongebob, you'll kind of get lost in some of these references. Like, for example, in Rock Bottom, that episode where Spongebob and Patrick were stuck at Rock Bottom and they are trying to find their way out... At the very beginning, Spongebob was trying to get candy. And every time he tried to reach for the candy, the bus would keep uh, trolling him and driving away. So Classic. they try to make a reference to that, but it's instead it's just Spongebob finding the same vending machine. And him just staring at the vending machine while a bus just passes by. And Yeah, that, I honestly love that little gag in the video game. I remember doing that constantly when I was a kid. I always found it kind of funny. I didn't, and the reason why is because the character is not animated to react to all of it. And that's where I felt like they missed the opportunity with it. It's very much a shame because the characters are very animated, more so than the original show, so it's weird how they didn't really add that detail in. But the other thing I was going to note or uh, point out is where I was mentioning all these post Battle for Bikini Bomb SpongeBob games is that Mr. Krabs originally did not voice, or the voice of Mr. Krabs, I, I don't have the name on me, but he did not. Oh, uh, Clancy Brown. Clancy Brown. He didn't voice Mr. Krabs from in the original game back then. I don't know what the deal was with that, but instead they got someone to try to make an impression, and the impression is terrible. Like, you can tell it is someone trying to be Clancy Brown's, uh, era, uh, Clancy Brown's 
Mr. Krabs, and it just doesn't really pull off that well. It's a very, very rough impersonation of that character. It's weird that the follow-up game, which plays out exactly like this, the SpongeBob movie game, they actually had Clancy Brown voice Mr. Krabs again. So it's weird that now you have Mr. Now you have Clancy Brown fully invested in SpongeBob. Why didn't you get him to you know voice over these roles that uh, you know where it was originally in the game? Instead, they're like, you know what, the cheaper thing to do is to not have voice actors, you know, redub their lines or anything. Instead, it's all uh, recorded audio from the original game, just clean up to make it look recent. And I thought that was just kind of a missed opportunity, because you clearly know that the Mr. Krabs you're talking to is not the same Mr. Krabs you come to know from the show. Which does not work when the whole game is trying to make references and homage to, you know, the, the cartoon from Nickelodeon. The other voice actor that is you kind of know, uh, and that would be, well, Mermaid Man. And that one, I see, is very hard because... The original voice actor for Mermaid Man, he passed away uh, just a couple of years ago. So, I mean, that's something that I don't think you could do anything about. Except the yeah. pr- guy they had to voice, uh, they had to voice M- or Mermaid Man, who is James Arnold Taylor. If you don't know James Arnold Taylor, he's the voice of Ratchet from Ratchet and Clank. His impersonation of this character sounds like a drunk old hipster. Or not a drunk old hipster, a drunk 20-year-old hipster trying to be an old man. Like, uh, what? I don't think it, I don't think it was, uh, who was it again? James Arnold that? Taylor, the voice of Ratchet from Ratchet and Clank. They were, they were the voice of Mermaid Man from in, Battle for it, Bikini Bottom? Yeah, Anna? yeah, and ba- or at least in the rehydrated one. I don't recall if in the original game he was, it, it was a different voice. I mean, if... The original voice of Mermaid Man voiced his own character in the game, then it would be really weird to... I mean, for all the other characters not to be redubbed except that one. But, I I mean, I have a feeling he's not. But I, I just can tell from the sounding of Mermaid Man's voice that I'm hearing Ratchet more than uh, Mermaid Man. Yeah. Uh, I think the original voice actor for um, Mermaid Man and uh, Mr. Krabs, because they're the same, they were voiced by the same person, uh, was a guy named Joe White. Okay. Joe, yeah, W-H-Y-T-E. Because it sounds like James Arnold Taylor, but alright, so it's a different... Whatever, Joe White is not doing a great impression of these two. Like, you, they, they stand, stick out like a sore thumb... Compared to all the other characters. And that's probably the one thing where I'd say they missed the mark as far as authentic representation of the show. Fortunately, they're not major characters in the story. But whenever you do interact with them, you you are kind of like, okay, this is not uh, nearly as good as the original voice actors for these characters. Now, when it comes to Spongebob Battle for Bikini Bottom Rehydrated as a video game, it's fine. 
I mean, the platforming is pretty decent. I enjoy the game in, an, in a very enjoyable level. But there are so many things that just don't hold up. And I see the user response for this game being so high. Like, it's a 91 on user Metacritic, or 9.1 on user Metacritic. And on Steam, it's overwhelmingly positive. Like, people are in love with this remaster. Yeah, and I think a lot of it, you know, it is a remaster and everything. So, the main thing with remasters and everything is don't change anything about it. Keep the same difficulty keep a lot of it the same it's and supposed that is, to feel old i i totally disagree because there are certain things uh, regarding the game that they could have tweaked and they could have changed and in fact it would have made things improve for the better i have nothing against playing old games in fact uh, i'll even be a little nicer because i i've seen people like or critics tore this apart and call it mediocre and say uh, i hear one person for example saying that the platforming is bad or it's just uh very boring no i mean i enjoy the platforming i i think the uh the the pacing of the game is hindered by some design choices that don't hold up today and one of them is being that you're switching through three different characters and that is spongebob patrick and sandy how you do that is you have to go to a bus stop and then just switch characters and then you just switch the available character for the level. And that would have been fine if these bus stops aren't spread out so much. And it became very aggravating to me when I have to, you know, I, I unlock a path for, for example, in, in Rock Bottom. I deactivated a lot of uh, securities uh, malfunctions inside of a room and it's one of the side missions that is fine and then as i was leaving oh here's some uh, uh texas uh, uh, uh symbols i can swing if i was sandy and that that's sandy's ability sandy can glide and he can or she can uh swing uh on uh you know areas with her rope or lasso However, I had to travel all the way back to the beginning or all the way back to a another area and to find a bus stop to switch to Sandy and then go all the way back over there just to get a sock. And to me, that just feels very unsatisfying. Like, I, there, games ha today have created things such as a, wep a, a weapon wheel or a character wheel that you could just sw swap on the fly. And that would have made things so much better. Like, I do not excuse them kind of keeping everything as it is. When there are some thing, design things that I I think are very... Uh, very... Uh, d just... Uh, un unexcusable for a remaster. Especially when you look at things like Spyro Reignited... Where they went out of their way to tweak the controls and make everything accessible for new players. This one doesn't do that. And I'll also say... This game isn't, oh. this game isn't really made for new players. It's made for the people that kind of grew up with the game. Well, like, but the remaster is made to reach out to a new audience. And plus, I will get into another thing. Because they do add a new mode to this game. And that is the multiplayer. 
No, what I would say is what I will say on the the positive side. There, each of these different worlds, they have their own little uh, environment ticks. Like for example, when you go to the Flying Dutch, not the Flying Dutchman, but there is a uh, creek. It's one of the later later levels in the game. And there's a lot of interesting platforming regarding uh, or uh, activating play or leaves to jump on, and doing those by trying to act or put switches or put rocks onto switches. Now I will say the difficulty. The game is very easy, at least to me. I did not have too much of an issue playing through the game or at least there wasn't a lot of things that I found to be super difficult there were some challenging side golden spatulas to possess but outside of that there was not really much I was stuck on and you can get so many spatulas in the game where you there's a level or world you feel like oh this is too hard you can actually skip it entirely because the game is pretty generous on giving you these spatulas which is fine but if you're not a huge spongebob fan then i mean yeah definitely this is not for you because the the thing that makes this game very enjoyable is just experiencing the world of spongebob in sort of a 3d adventure style but yeah regarding the game the gameplay the platforming is fine but there's nothing really that stands out from it it's not anything that you'll be like, oh, wow, this is really awesome. Like, I hear people say, man, the gameplay is great, the music is amazing, and I'm like, the, the music? I don't remember a single track in this game, but all right. I And it sounds like I'm coming down this game very hard, and I, I'm only doing that because as a remaster, they could have done so much more besides just doing a small coat of paint. I mean, there are some technical issues I even had with this game where I got stuck in the environment a few times. It was frustrating because I had to restart my save file. And I'm playing this on the Switch, by the way. And on the Switch, it plays pretty well. I mean, the game runs at 60 frames per second mostly. There are times where it has slowed down a bit, I guess, when things get too crazy. The combat is not that. Ex- I mean, the combat is just really a side thing. I never really find it, found it in particularly, you know, awesome. It's just okay. It's fine. So it's very puzzling why the multiplayer mode in this is a horde mode that's all about the combat, where they yeah. took a boss fight that was scrapped from the original game, and that's a robot Squidward. Oh yeah, I remember that. I remember seeing the concept art in like uh, the theater on PlayStation Two. Loved it. Loved the art to it. Well, in the remaster, they actually bring the boss fight back, but they bring him back in this horde mode where you survive wave after wave of robots from the campaign, and then after three waves, you just jump your way over to the next stage and. I found this part of the game to be one of the absolute worst horde modes I've ever played. And my the reason I say that is because there is nothing of substance to this horde mode. You play as 
six different characters. That's SpongeBob, Patrick, Squidward, Mr. Krabs, Sandy, and no seven. Sorry, or you also play as Gary or Robot Plankton. All of them play the exact same. There is nothing different to their moveset or what they do. They all have the same moves. You're just fighting the same enemies you've seen in, in the in the, era, the the campaign. What does Robot Squidward do exactly? He just st- sits there and occasionally there are some blasts that uh, will appear on the uh, platforms. And it's with no sound uh, either. It it feels like this mode was just unfinished. And I, I well, I mean, I mean, so was the boss battle with uh, a robot Squidward. They never got that finished. Well, so but if I you're think... bringing it back, then you should finish it. Like not well, just, no, yeah. Well, no, no. Like it never finished the concept art stage. In the original, I think you fought a a robot Sandy. A robot yeah, SpongeBob, ra- robot a robot Patrick. Yeah. They wanted to have a robot Squidward, but there just wasn't enough time. So they had sort of like concept art to it, to what you would do. So, and since, you know, you're bashing this game a lot, it just sounds like they were staying really, really, really true to the to uh, what made the game uh, Spongebob Battle for Bikini Bottom. So they're going off of those old um, concept arts and uh, boss battle descriptions of what would happen. So who knows how far they got into planning out uh, that boss battle. So, But with a, a robot Squidward, and the robot Squidward looks like a Kraken. There could be so many cool things you could have done with it. Like the the tentacles could slam onto the platform and you know there there are so many things you could do with this boss and they that they don't do it in fact it just it's there to observe you fighting these robots and you're doing it so much to where like i was playing with my little brother and my little brother was like you know what i i'm done this is boring and i i did not blame him i was like yeah this is uh I mean, yeah, I'm bashing this game a lot because there are plenty of issues with it. It's not a fantastic game, despite you know fans loving. It. I mean, it's uh, opinions are subjective, of course, but there there are some quality of improvements that could have been added to this remaster without having to even change much of the game or even anything. Because when it comes to the just the normal jumping around, it's fine. I mean, I enjoyed it. It's not like I was was having a bad time or anything. I was having above average experience, but at the end of the day, yeah, I think it could have been better. I mean, some of the same issues I had with the SpongeBob movie game that I played was all with this too. I mean, there wasn't any uh, ring challenges or anything, but there there came to a point of. Uh, some mission i mean the missions are usually like hey collect all these things for me and then come back and all right i mean that's fine i will say this game is highly enjoyable because i i did have an enjoyable experience and yeah beating it at around eight or ten hours it gave me the idea of hey you know what there is room for improvement and there's room to make another one if they want to 
that's bigger and better. And I, I really hope they do. They, they try it out. Because there are ways to just make a great Spongebob game. But I don't think this game is that great. I mean, that's just my opinion. Mm. So, yeah, that's what I have to say about Spongebob uh, Rehydrated. It's it's alright. I mean... Yeah, yeah, like, I understand where a lot of the issues are coming from. Because this game is 17 years old. So, it is a product of its time. Well, and, I mean... And, and I, I'm not done yet. Okay, okay. And, um, and, you know, I think a lot of the, what, you know, the people that were making the game who were remaking it decided that we're not going to put in, like, you know, character switching on the fly, any of that. We're going to release the, we're going to remake the game. We're going to release the game with all of the quirks and everything that it had from 2003. Because that's kind of what, you know, people who grew up playing the game wanted. It was, they wanted all of the quirks. They wanted, you know, a lot of the issues that were in the original game and everything. If they want to make Spongebob Battle for Bikini Bottom 2, like uh, a sequel, then yeah, definitely put in the changes and everything. But with something like this, I think it was, I think it was better for them to not make any of the changes because then they would have to change a lot of the gameplay because, you know, that character switching on the fly, like, there could... I don't, I don't know. So. There could be some characters that could absolutely cheese an entire level and basically just break break the level and make it way too easy. So they would have to go in and change... If they put that change in, what other changes do they need so that the level doesn't break, and in that po- and at that point, you might as well just make a new game. Yeah, I don't think the level would break. The way the worlds are designed, I mean, it seemed accessible for any character to pop up. Yeah, I, I don't know about that. I what I I will say is that yeah, I get it. there are people who have that nostalgia. I just want exactly the game I remember. So I mean, that that's why there are some people who are loving it, but. I I just didn't really find this game all that special. I mean, I mean, it, it even in 2003, there are pla- there are action games and platformers I think hold up way more than that. One of them being Beyond Good and Evil, the original one, and even yeah. say uh, or Rayman 2 on, on the PS2 when it went from PS1 to PS2. That remake of an original game on the or the PlayStation 2 from 1999 or eight. That remake was incredible, and it improved on so much, and added so much. So I mean, I don't know, but yeah, that's what I have to say. Just enjoyable, or very, very highly enjoyable, and for people who are obsessed with SpongeBob, like like Chris, so that I'll hell yeah, I'll I'll move past this before Chris decides he wants to kill me for my opinion. Uh, so, uh, no, I haven't gotten there yet. Yet you're on thin ice, though, but not there yet. Okay, all right. Well, let's go to better. <laughs> okay, Sponge or uh, Pat or <laughs> SpongeBob. Patrick. No, Pokemon Cafe is the next thing we're going to be talking about. And this was announced at one of the recent Pokemon directs, 
they had two back to back, and one of them was, "Hey, you want? We're gonna release this free to play Pokemon game where you get to run your own cafe with real Poke. Well, not real Pokemon, but." You get the idea. A cafe for Pokemon run by Pokemon and you, which I named my character Buttface, and they they accepted that. (laughs) What this game is about, (coughs) excuse me, what this game is about, you have an order, and they'll say, hey, you know what, I want to have this delicious dish, so... You get to choose which of the staff members, and the staff members grow uh, from, you know, Charmander, and you, you get so many other Pokemon later. I mean, I, I got Pikachu, and some of the ones from Sword and Shield, and, you know, I, I forgot the... Min, Minisville? I, I forgot his name. Uh, Snubble. As, and each of them have, like, a little perk or so. What the whole thing is, during the making the food, I mean, it's all about this little puzzle screen of these little mini Pokemon faces. When I saw it, I thought of Pokemon Troze, which is a puzzle game on the Nintendo DS about Pokemon. That's not exactly what this game is about regarding the, the core gameplay of it. I mean, it's somewhat similar, but really... You're kind of swishing all of the Pokemon heads around, almost like you're making something in a bowl, like you're tossing a salad or something. And you know, yeah. like any match three puzzle game, you're trying to match three of the same or three or more of the same Pokemon that look alike from each other. Except the fact that you can just swish around and move around the bowl means that you can just uh, connect them to whatever other Pokemon head that you could see on the screen. And, you know, the more combos you can make, the closer you'll get to one of these special uh, uh, things you can add on. And they're usually helpful items, such as clearing out a row of uh, little items or little gimmicks. I mean, later you get things like cubes and apples so there's other things that get thrown in. I, I got to a point where I had to add some honey, so I had to destroy the honey by making chain combos around it. So yeah, you're making food, but the simple gameplay is just simply ball match three or more. And each of the objectives on this little uh, card appears on the the top left or the very left screen it'll tell you hey you want you need to get x amount of points or you need to clear out this many uh torchix or whatever and then or tokepies or you could uh or knock these apples down into the holes i mean objectives like that and you clear all that with in the amount of turns that you're given or the amount of your moves that you're given then well you win and you get to go to the next one. You'll get rewarded with some acorns. Every milestone, you'll get a new customer type, a new staff member. If you uh, if you itch, itch, or achieve the happiness level for the customer, they have these amount of stars 
and each order you give or you succeed in giving to them you get a, a star or two once you have that filled up they will join your staff and you have another staff member to swap from with their own perk the perks are very small so really it's okay which pokemon do i prefer making food with and that pokemon will basically uh, help fill the gauge up faster so say again i picked a snubble then all the snubble faces if i clear all those out then i get to the special moves faster i mean they're pretty much results to that and that is the game in a nutshell. You know, the next order comes, you do the same thing. Next order comes, you do the same thing. Every five or ten orders you complete, your restaurant expands and you get some new ingredients, which means some new challenges for the puzzles. It's like a it's like a really dumbed down version of a Cooking Mama, but with Pokemon. You know, it might. I've never played po- uh, Cooking Mama. I have. Okay. Uh, maybe that would be interesting experience. There was a Cooking Mama game that came out this year. I haven't played it, but it was terrible. Okay, well there you go. Like I'm, you're what? Like it wasn't optimized for the Switch. It burned through battery like nothing else, and I'm a hundred percent certain that um it is going to be the cause of a legal dispute between the people that made the game and the people that own the Cooking Mama IP. Yeah. I think there already was, but regarding this, I'll say optimized for the Switch, maybe? It only allows you to use the touchscreen. That only becomes an issue if you want to play it in docked, where my first game, Spongebob, you could play it handheld or on docked. This game, you can only play handheld, because you can only use the touchscreen for going through the menus and controlling everything, so... This is only in handheld mode, unfortunately. I'll say the other thing to kind of uh, people would have just concerns over are the microtransactions as evil as a lot of these Switch or Nintendo games are, the free-to-play ones. And that is a very valid concern to be had because Nintendo really sucks at their free-to-play pricing. I mean, you look at Dr. Mario or Mario Kart on the ios and other games my recent example being that kirby what was it kirby star deluxer it was a free-to-play kirby game on the switch and the idea of it was the boss rush mode from kirby star allies just in a free-to-play mode and i'm like okay that's all right but i already have kirby star allies oh but the microtransactions in that game are egregious because the game constantly tries to push you to pay for those apples and that's because of the wait times and all that you know having to wait all these hours to play or hey you can't get to the next mission until you unless you have enough apples oh you don't have enough apples well you can either wait and hope to see if you get some daily apples in your rewards or pay up the microtransactions for the that game was evil yeah Microtransactions for any game is pretty evil. Well, it depends on how you manage them. I can't say that's for every game. I mean, there are some free-to-play games that are able to manage them quite well. I'll say one for example. I'm playing a free-to-play game called Ninjala, also kind of from Nintendo. I mean, it's a Nintendo exclusive right now. But at the moment, I'm not getting any of those uh, 
forced microtransactions. There is something that is behind a paywall that I'm, I'm not too crazy about, but re regards to the base game, I haven't had an issue with the microtransactions yet. There are some other free-to-play games where the microtransactions aren't that bad. So I wouldn't say it's all, but Nintendo especially, they are evil with these microtransactions. In fact, I would even argue they're just as evil as, say, EA or Activision when it comes to their free-to-play mobile games. Uh, I don't know. It all just sounds like a business trying to make money and everything. And Well, when you have a free-to-play game, the question needs to be asked. How are you going to pay your employees or pay for the service? That's the thing you have to kind of put into consideration regarding free-to-play games. But, I mean, I, I totally get your point. Yeah. So the question needs to be asked, or even answered, are the microtransactions in Pokemon Cafe, because there are some, are they egregious? I do appreciate that before you start the game, the developers say in a message, hey, be warned if you have miners, there are in-game purchases in this game. You gotta watch, you gotta take care of what your miners are playing, don't just leave them with this game. Yeah. Don't don't leave your kid to be babysat by uh, Pokemon. Well, I mean, they can if it's Pokemon Sword and Shield or anything, but th this game where there's microtransactions, yeah, I mean, no. So, I will have to say, at the very beginning, it didn't seem like the microtransactions were that evil. I was able to play through the game just fine. Yeah. It wasn't until going towards the 40th order, that's when I started to notice... Okay, now these free options are giving me dry, or uh, drying me out, and now it's starting to push me to purchase for more acorns. Because some of these challenges get very difficult, and if you lose, then your options are: hey, I can pay up to keep trying and add three more turns, and which is you know by acorns, or I could say you want know, to just retry this, and you get. Five retries, or five hearts. If you run out of our hearts, then, well, game over and you have to wait real time or pay up. And you can even back out of a current order and try again later, but that will also cost a heart. By the 37th order, that's when I've used up a lot of my acorns for the really tough challenges, and it turns out, okay, if I screw up five times, then I just can't play this game at all today. And yeah. the, I will say the microtransactions aren't as evil as the uh, other games, because you can get through these things. It is possible. It's just very, very difficult uh, later on. But as a family-friendly game, that also becomes an issue, especially for kids who will get stuck on some of these levels, and that's where yeah. the microtransactions will push them to pay up, and that that's where I'm kind of in a puzzled conclusion for it, but what I'm gonna say is, it's alright, I mean, I enjoyed it, but I, to be honest, I've seen friends of mine get addicted to this, and I just couldn't bring myself to it i think it's because while there are challenges that will add on later for the most part it's the, the same situation like every stage which is fine but it's a game where hey you you got you just play in quick rounds you know come back to it later 
I'm not addicted to this, is what I'm saying. Which is yeah. fine. As a free-to-play iPhone game, you can enjoy it in short bursts. And for that, it is a highly enjoyable play. Uh, play. It's an interesting concept of what they do. And as you say, a simplified cooking mama. But, you know, those microtransactions will eventually get to you later. And that's where you have to decide, well, do I keep playing this or play this in short bursts or I don't know. But, yeah, it's highly enjoyable. There's nothing special about it, but you can still have fun. Yep. Mm, That's all that really matters with video games. Yeah. That and the art style is ridiculously adorable. Yeah, the art style is adorable. It's so cute. So there is that. And that leads us to our last thing, which is... Crash 4. I saw the trailer for Crash 4. Or, uh, what was it? Not a crack in time. Uh, back in time. No, it's got, it's about time. That's what's the subtitle's name. And I enjoyed the Crash and Saint Trilogy overall. I mean, Crash 1 does not hold up at all. Crash 2, it's pretty de- decent. Alright. Crash 3 is really good. And the other Crash games not made by Naughty Dog, you know, up and ups and downs. So, eventually, they were going to bring back Crash into a brand new game after these remasters. And they're probably going to do that for Spyro as well. Remember, they remastered Spyro... They had the Spyro Reignited trilogy. So, there's probably a new Spyro game in the works, along with Tony Hawk. Tony Hawk's coming back. That's going to be exciting. When I saw the trailer for it, I was like, okay, this is awesome. This is refining the formula of Crash Bandicoot being this 2.5D platformer, but also adding in these mass power-ups, which each mass does its own different ability, uh, such as slowing down time, walking on walls... Some other cool stuff. And you can play through the whole game either as Crash or Coco, just like the uh, rem- or the Insane uh, Trilogy. Additionally, there will be moments where you get to play as er, Dr. Cortex. There are some segments shown in the trailer where you play as him. And they've hinted at, hey, you know what, we have other playable characters. So that's cool. It looks like a true sequel to the Crash Trilogy. And it, it looks like it might be very accessible for people who you know, stepped out of Crash. Maybe like you. Maybe you'll play, give this game a try and be like, hey, you want Crash is no longer Animal Mario. Or maybe you won't. I don't know. Who knows? I, I would need to play the first, and then the second, and the third. I'm going to say you won't need to. To understand the story. And why I say you won't need to is they don't really have much of a story in the Crash series until the third one. Like, Crash 1 is pretty much... Crash has got to save this girlfriend that never appears in any other sequel from the evil Dr. Cortex. Crash 2, there is kind of a plot. It's dumb. I mean, it doesn't really make much sense. Crash 3? Now we got a plot. I mean, it's still cheesy, but it's fun. So I don't know if you would go to Crash series just for the story. I mean, it's not completely story-driven, although I suspect in Crash 4 they will probably add more to the writing. I mean, in the trailer, there's a lot of humor going on. So, maybe. I mean, I don't know if it's story-driven, but it's definitely going to be something where they will maybe put some more attention to it. But the trailer looked very exciting. It looked like a lot of fun. I cannot wait. October 2nd is the release date for this, by the way. For PS4, Xbox One, PS5, Xbox One Series X, and PC. Ah, that's cool. 
Yeah. And guess what? According to some recent information, the game will have over 100 levels. Which, if you were to compare it to the first three Crash games, Crash 3 had 32 levels. And I think the first two also had 32 or close to it. So, basically, Crash 4 has more content than all three of the Crash uh, original Crash Trilogy games combined. So, for those looking at uh, Crash 4, it's like, okay, well, it's probably going to be one or two hours long. Now, I don't suspect this to be, like, a 40-hour-long game, but it will probably be somewhere around 10 or 12 hours or so. Yeah, yeah it, it, that's really cool. And there will also be microtransactions. Wait, what? Yes. According, <laughs> according to the Microsoft Store, the game has been listed as it will contain in-app purchases. Now, in-app purchases is not a big description, and the reason why I say that is, well, Crash 4 does have some pre-order bonuses. If you pre-order the game, you get some rad 90s skins for Crash and Coco. So what exactly will these be? We do not know. There is no details about it at this point. And I'm sure because of it uh, being a big headline, Activision or Toys for Bob, the people who are creating the game... They're probably going to come out maybe with more an exclamation about it. So, you know what? It may not be microtra- the microtransactions you're thinking of. Or it might. I mean, hey, let's be clear. Crash. We'll find out when it comes out. Yeah. Crash uh, Nitro Kart, the remaster of the Crash uh, Nitro. The, cra- the Mario Kart, PlayStation Mario Kart game in the Crash universe. That came out recently, and at the launch, there was no microtransactions, but then weeks later, they just slipped it in. Yeah, you could either pay for the unlocks with enough apples, or you can try to earn them in-game. Yeah, so there is that. Will I consider this the same level microtransactions as, say, Crash Team Racing? Or how Call of Duty uh, Modern Warfare, where they said there'll not be any gameplay advantage microtransactions. There's not, but there is a watch that will help you display the kill-death ratio in-game. And that was taken out from the previous games and now sold back for 10 or $20, which is crazy. I hate that. Yeah. So, like. we can't exactly say that Activision won't be above uh, being a corporation. What we can only hope is that being this is a single player game with no multiplayer mode that we know of, we can hope, or at least the microtransactions aren't going to be much of a deal. So I would say is it's not something I would personally freak out about it just yet. We would have to know more information. I mean, we could say, oh, you know, boycott this game. No, you're going to buy it. I mean, it's the brand new Crash game, a sequel to the Crash trilogy, and a lot of people love this character. They've been petitioning Crash Bandicoot to be in Smash Brothers for gosh knows how long. So I do not suspect a boycott. These boycotts have all been BS anyway. Especially The Last of Us Part 2, which I'm not even defending. I even said, hey, I'm just going to get Desperados 3 instead, and I don't regret it. 
But for those saying, ah, oh, no one's going to support The Last of Us 2 and Cruddy Night Dog, the game sold 4 million copies in 3 days. So, if someone's going to come out and boycott this because it may or may not have the microtransactions you're thinking of, I'm just going to say it'll be a failure. The only thing that boycotts and petitions has ever worked towards is for the Snyder Cut. And and that was years and years of DC fans who were obsessed with Zack Snyder's vision to have the Snyder Cut be true. I Nothing else regarding a petition that I can think of has ever worked. So you could say boycott, crash for, put your money where your mouth is, but you know you're going to buy this. Come on. Yeah. It actually looks like a lot of fun. So, I I mean, I'm not that harmed by microtransactions anymore because I tend to ignore them unless there's something like... And certain free-to-play games that try to push you to spend money. For the most part, I ignore them. Like, I've been playing the crud out of Call of Duty Modern Warfare and never once even thought about spending a dime. And the game never tried to advertise me a lot to purchase real uh or you know spend real money on microtransactions so i I mean i'm not too worried about it i'm just saying that i won't be surprised if they do something like say devil may cry where they give uh these uh orbs that will help you get through the game uh, better if you suck at it yeah so i'm not too uh, fearful of this i'm just saying that i hope activision knows what they're doing by putting microtransactions in this i don't know how successful the microtransactions are in in crash team racing for all i know people are still playing that what what would you say about this does this uh discourage your interest in crash for what i mean what is your thoughts with any kind of microtransactions that come up it kind of depends on what kind of transactions are they going to be? Are they going to be purely cosmetic changes where, like, um, an example, Call of Duty, like, um, oh, uh, pay $1.99 and you can have gold, like, a gold coating on your Desert Eagle or whatever. Or, like, um... Well, that's another thing. With Call of Duty Modern Warfare, you can earn all of the skins in-game. So that... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know. If it's stuff that you can... You know, if you can organically win by just being patient and waiting and playing the game, then I'm fine with that. Like, if someone wants to skip the wait and just get, you know, the skin that they want, that's fine. When it's something that's, like, integral to the game, that's uh, really important, that you kind of have to have, when it's something like that, I have no real patience for that kind of bullshit. Especially, like, uh, let's... I'm trying to think of some other microtransactions that I can think of that aren't just purely cosmetic. Um, oh, uh, the Star Wars Battlefront one, where yeah, which you know, they could... jumped back on since then. So I yeah. know, I, I know they they jumped back on that because people realize you would have to spend hundreds of hours just for a chance to unlock a Star Wars character, and that is ridiculous when they have like this thing that's like um pay 9.99 and you can get uh luke skywalker or darth vader or darth maul you know it's just sort of that where it's like yeah you can technically unlock these characters but you need to basically play nothing but it for weeks or months or 
I guess years, but you know, it kind of just depends on it. Like, um, there, there was this old, uh, mobile game that I used to play. I think it was click life or something like that, where you could just simulate someone's life all the way through. And I think it had one microtransaction, $3. You unlock the whole ad free game microtransaction like that. I'm fine with that. Well, I, I get for free to play games on iPhones, you need ads in order to spend for revenue. Yeah, I mean, grinding, no, I'm not crazy about it all. Grinding for progression versus uh, spending real money. You know, it depends on how long those wait times are, in, in my opinion. But the other thing is, for example, Devil May Cry 5 has microtransactions, as I mentioned. You get to either unlock the orbs or collect them or spend real money to get more orbs. It never once really got to me where I needed to spend real money on those orbs. Especially that it felt like the last minute thing they added. Like the game isn't worked around to push you to spend on microtransactions. So I'm hoping that the same is with this. And for all yeah. I know, the mic, the in, in-app purchases, when it says in-game purchases, it might just mean DLC. I mean, that's yeah, another thing. Like, it might mean, hey, we're going to add new levels later you could pay for, or there's just some new skins. We yeah, don't know. Like, as long as the microtransactions are always optional, and so long as they're not heavy-handed with it, like, yeah, you can unlock this character if you play 250 hours of this one game. Well, I don't want like 250 hours, but you, you know what I mean. You could Yeah, you no, know. no, no. I'm I'm talking about like you can unlock this character, you know, if you play 20 hours of the game or you can unlock the character now for by spending 9.99. Well, that that's still grinding a bit. I'm I'm saying like what what's a good example? Shoot. You, you know what? I I don't have it on me at the moment, but if I can think about it, there are some free-to-play games I have played, though, where the progression isn't as... I mean, isn't as slow-paced as some other ones. And you can unlock things without having to worry about microtransactions. There are free-to-play games out there. It's, for some reason, I'm not thinking about it right now. But yeah, I mean, there's going to be microtransactions for the Tony Hawk remaster as well. I mean, they just confirmed it. So, I mean, it depends on how they take advantage of it. Hopefully, it's not anything uh, predatory. I, I mean, I think that's the term we're probably needing to say is predatory. Yeah. So, we'll see. But I'm still looking forward to it. I'm not discouraged by the possibility of microtransactions. Partially that, I'm just not surprised. Activision is uh, very sloppy on their communication with whether or not there will be microtransactions. Anyway, that is what we have for the show. Thank you so much for coming on, Chris, and having a blast with you, uh, always. And I hope you enjoy the rest of this week. I mean, the end of June and the beginning of July, so... Yeah. You don't feel excited about that. Uh, I don't know. The the months are are feeling like years, to be honest. I know. Well, anyway, you can find this soundcloud.com slash pondspress instagram pondspress facebook pondspress twitter at cheesepawn64 the website is pondspress.wordspress.com where you can find the schedule and all that chris where do we find you uh you can find me at chrisflood14 at gmail.com or if you're adventurous if you hear the 
rattling from your trash cans. That's probably me searching through your trash trying to find food for dinner. Uh, you can you can also find me on YouTube at uh, Chris Flood, just my name, and um, yeah, that's usually where you can find me either on gmail.com, your trash bins, or on YouTube. Okay, well, anyway, <laughs> let's uh, go ahead and close this up. We had a great time, but we'll see you next time.